0: The 630Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630Chad. Well, we talked about it briefly earlier this week, um, but with more information being released and... In and, and your chance now to have your voice heard, I wanted to dig a little deeper into the city's plans to reduce crashes and make roads safer. Uh, it is called the Safe Mobility Strategy and is the new approach to advancing Vision Zero. It is expected to go into effect next year. Jessica LaMere is the Director of Traffic Safety with the City of Edmonton. Hey, Jessica, welcome back to the show. Hey, Jalen. It's nice to chat with you again. Oh, my goodness gracious. This has been years of work putting together this. Tell us about how this uh, this initial report came together, who you talked to, what you looked at, because, boy, there's a lot in it. There is a ton in it, and I'm really
1: excited about that because it's important to take a look at lots of different aspects when we're building a plan as important as the Safe Mobility Strategy so, you know, we've been we've been hard at work at this, but really the work started in 2015 when City Council um, endorsed Vision Zero as a priority for the city, um, which is you know zero traffic-related fatalities and serious injuries. And huge progress has been made towards that goal since then. We've had a 56% reduction in fatalities from traffic crashes on our roads um, in the in that time. And so now we're really looking at what comes next. How do we keep that progress moving? Um, and what kinds of new creative approaches can we put in place to keep people safer? So. We looked at crash analysis, we did an equity Mm -hmm. analysis, we developed a high injury network that tells us geographically where uh, we're seeing the most fatality and serious injury crashes in Edmonton, and we've been doing lots of public engagement because if we're going to build a plan to do this, we've got to do it together for it to be successful.
0: Jessica, one of the things when I talked about it, when it first came out, parts of it first came out, I think on Monday or or Tuesday of this week. And one of the things that jumped out at me was uh, you talk about kind of the the crash analysis. It was the five bullet points, uh, if I remember correctly, that showed, you know, uh, where a lot of things were were happening. Number one, I think was following too closely. And then another one was driving off the road. The other one was, you know, left turns in front of traffic and another one was going through stoplights. Did any of that surprise you because to be honest with me I was waiting to see um distracted driving up there as a whole but some of my listeners said but all of those could be um you know ranked up there as as distracted driving I just thought distracted driving as a whole texting might have been um you know one of those five
1: So for sure and this is one of the sort of technical pieces of this work that we're looking at crash reports um, that are put in through Edmonton Police Service and so there are two underlining factors that are very consistent and common in all crashes, and that's speeding and that's distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. they don't usually rank as a cause because in order to say distraction is the cause, is it, it's a very specific thing, but there's usually an action connected mm. to distraction, okay. um, like following too closely, right? You're not paying attention, all of a sudden you get too close to the car in front of you and there's a crash. So yeah. that's really important to know is that even though we have those five specific areas of driver behavior, feeding and distraction are a common theme across all
0: of them okay that's good to know and so when you get a survey result that comes in from earlier today that mentions that that was mine (laughs) because i took the survey today and i just and i had i had questioned that because i'm going to let uh, my listeners know about the survey coming up as well this high injury network i thought was was interesting can you expand on that and 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 tell us a little bit more about uh, about that
1: Sure. So what we did is we took a look at the five years of history of crash data that we have available to us, and we mapped that out. So we took a look at where were the serious injury of fatality crashes happening, and then we put different lenses on it to say, um, what does the injury network look like if we filter it only for um, fatality and serious injury crashes involving somebody who's cycling or someone who's walking, someone who's driving a car or a motorcycle. Because there are lots of different ins and outs depending on the mode we travel, and we don't want to group them all together. So it was really interesting for us to, to put those lenses. It's going to help us a lot in the work in terms of prioritizing where we need to put our attention. Uh, but it does tell us, you know, where our more serious uh, hotspots are, and it tells us where the 15... Um, most high crash neighborhoods are yeah so this is you know we're taking a look kind of a bit more holistically to say if you've got this road or corridor through your neighborhood you're you're much more exposed to these kinds of crashes than people who don't necessarily live in that area so we may commute through a place where there's a problem, but living there is a whole other ballgame. And so we really need to focus on those areas um, in the next five years to make sure that we're we're taking care of the people not only who travel through them, but who make that their home.
0: So when you talk about putting those lens, uh, putting the lens on on some of these stats and taking a look, maybe you're driving, maybe you're biking, maybe you're on a motorcycle. Um, when you talk then about the top 15 residential neighbors where the 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 fatal and major injury crashes happen was that based on all four of the modes of transportation or five modes of transportation when you kind of drilled it all down that's where it was so it's not like just cycling here or motorcycles here that was all of them yeah absolutely we took a look at all the modes to pick those and you know an important lens we
1: also put on this was the equity perspective so when we Uh, overlaid census data who is living in those neighborhoods we also found some really important and interesting trends so for example many of those neighborhoods are more likely to have residents who are low income who um, are linguistically diverse they're not primarily speaking english or french at home um, or who are indigenous people and uh, that is a theme that occurred frequently when we looked at those neighborhoods and something really important for us to think about as we consider what are the what are the implications of that and you know we're really clear to say we don't have all the answers there we have to talk to the people who live there to know that best
0: what what i liked about this as i was going through more of the numbers it was kind of getting to some some root causes some root issues and um I know that you had uh, people going around and, um, you know, dropping pins in areas where maybe they felt uh, unsafe, depending on different things. And one of them, when I, when I found it, it didn't matter if it was walking, biking, or driving a motorcycle. One of the top things that ranked with those were dangerous or confusing intersections, and and I thought to myself, boy, oh, boy, that is telling us something right there, isn't it? And, 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 and for, for you and for, for the committee to move forward and how we're going to fix that, because following that is unsafe for missing crossing. I mean, when we're looking at crosswalks and intersections, that's a huge issue, according to this yeah absolutely and that's why one
1: of the key actions that we've put forward in the strategy is um to expand the current crosswalk program that the city has Mm. into um you know we'd like to call it the safe crossing program and that's really first and foremost when we design and when we make changes to protect our most vulnerable which would be people who are not in a vehicle when you're in a vehicle you're protected by a whole lot of metal the people who aren't in vehicles are way more likely to be seriously injured or or killed when a collision happens between those two modes so when we protect for the most vulnerable we make it safer for everyone and that's a really important perspective and focus we have to put on this Um, we have to um shift our current approach which is fairly limited um, to uh, signalization. So adding in lights, for example, pedestrian crossing lights or those Uh flashing lights, those are really important um, approaches and often are the right one. But we also know from our crash analysis that they don't just solve the problem. They're not a magic fix. And so we wanna be a little bit more diverse and creative in our thinking about what's gonna make crossing more safe. Is it um, extending the curb so that there's a shorter distance for people to to have to cross and at the same time help slow our vehicles even more when they're turning that's a huge problem when we're turning we don't always have a great line of sight um, and do the shoulder check we need to and that's a frequent reason that we have these kinds of crashes so those are some examples but that is a huge focus for us in the strategy
0: yeah, it was it was really interesting when you when you sit there and you kind of go through all of the all the different points as speed, of course, comes up. It doesn't matter how you're getting around, whether you're walking, uh, whether you're um, on a bike, whether you're in a car whatever. Speed is 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 a concern or is shown as a concern uh, in the numbers that that came up here. And um, having said that, um, all I have to do is mention photo <laughs> again, my, my text line is going to blow up um, um, because there there is still a lot of concern people still saying it's you know it's it's a cash cow. they believe that. But you're suggesting um, through some of these numbers that there there it has shown some some reduction in 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 speeding numbers. Yeah, you know
1: uh, automated enforcement um, has shown us That it has positive safety impacts. So, great example of that um, last year, when we took a look at the year compared, there was a Mm -hmm. 10% reduction in crashes at intersections that had the intersection cameras. Um, Mm -hmm. That number jumps when it went to mobile enforcement. So, those are the vehicles that move around the city, our favorite things that generally get called photo radar. There was a 16% drop in, in crashes. Um, at locations that had mobile enforcement last year. That's huge. We cannot look past how important it is that that is helping to save lives and to make our lives better um, overall. So it's still important. You'll see it show up a couple of ways um, in in the strategy itself. Our partnership with the Edmonton Police Service, how we communicate, share information, um, and work together to keep the street safe super important as well uh-huh. we want to try some new and creative things because the data that we receive through enforcement tells us a lot about um, road, road user behavior and there are some places when people are really shifting their behaviors and doing a great job and so I want to try some positive enforcement campaigns um, so that uh-huh. we can help give Edmontonians the feedback when they are doing that, that good work on the roads.
0: Jessica, was there anything that jumped out at you as really surprising when when these numbers came in, when this all was, was put together? Something you thought, huh, that didn't cross my mind or I didn't see that coming?
1: You know, I think that, I don't know if surprising is the the right word for me, I think impactful probably ah. resonates and that's on the equity analysis. And I can't ah. tell you how important this is to, to take a look at the perspectives of people that we don't normally hear from. And that's been what we've been working really hard to do in this. Um, a lot of the programs and um, ways that we prioritize work right now are driven From hearing from Edmontonians about where their concerns are so for example when people call into 311 and say hey I'm really worried about this intersection can you go take a look Mm -hmm. but what we found when we overlaid that 311 data with those 15 high-crash neighborhoods is that we're not hearing from those people in those traditional channels and there's probably Um, lots of reasons for that and we're going to keep digging into that to better understand but in the meantime that means they may not be getting on the list So we need Uh to do some proactive work in those areas to make sure that we're addressing those concerns and not relying on Edmontonians who live there to have to bring it to our attention. And so that's a major focus and that's been a really important aspect of the work here. Um, And I think you know one of the things that I haven't seen done a lot um, across the board, this equity conversation is certainly emerging in the transportation world uh, and remembering that idea of, it's our job to help keep all Edmontonians safe is is really resonating for us.
0: And Jessica, I'm getting people's voices and more people's voices involved because there's already been a lot of voices involved so far, but there's more. There's another opportunity here. There is an online survey, um, and, and the chance for, you know, Chedville, everyone who's listening right now who's complained for ages about traffic or intersections or photo, whatever it is, here's your opportunity um, to, to get in on this safe mobility strategy survey. Where do people find it? Where's the best way, Jessica? Okay. Right. So we're, we're really excited to have Edmontonians help us refine these
1: draft actions. We yeah. built them based on all of that analysis and our initial public engagement. Now's the time to help us make sure we got it right. And yeah. you can do that by going to engaged.edmonton.ca/slash safe streets. Um, yeah. And you can see all of the information there, just like Jalen's yeah. been through it. You can do the <laughs> survey. Um, I don't think it takes very long um, to complete yeah. the survey. And uh, that's open It until says September.
0: five to thirty. Yeah, it says five to thirty minutes, but it took me about fifteen. It didn't take very long. No. If it's thirty, that means you're giving us very thorough feedback. Yes. <laughs> and they appreciate that. But <laughs> of course, yes. Um, the
1: survey's open until September 23rd, so it's important to make sure you get your your voice heard before we close it, so we can finish the strategy draft, which would mm-hmm. go to council before the end of the year for discussion.
0: All right. Very interesting stuff, Jessica. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I always appreciate your time.
1: It's so nice to spend some time chatting with you, Jalen. Have a yeah,
0: good one. Yeah, take care. Jessica Lemaire, who's the Director of Traffic Safety with the City of Edmonton. Some more interesting points came up from this. Like I went through the documents today. We'll get some more of that. Uh, I'll tell you about some of the uh, other things, the other well points that jumped out at me while I was reading it.